then that's how I would feel comfortable. So when I realized that it became a problem was when my health just started to go bad. Um, I had to go to the doctor, like what's going on? And it was when I finally let go. And I was like, God, this is a problem. Like if I don't feel comfortable standing up here without makeup, without my hair done, um, without nice clothes, then who am I? Like, why can't I, I should be the same person or better with or without the makeup, without the nice clothes, without the nice things. And which is why I decided, you know what, today this is how I am, this is how I woke up. So too bad, like this is what you get. <laughs> so, um, and I kind of wanted to share that because it was something that, and I'm, I'm not saying that you can't wear makeup, I'm just saying I wasn't comfortable without it. And so this was my problem and God just worked in me, kind of filtered that out of me, like, hey, you know what? You need, to, you need to overcome this. You are better than that. Like, you are made in my image. Like, step it up, because right now you're pretty much saying you're not good enough. Um, so that was something I wanted to share with you guys, that um, God's worked in me, and now I walk in, I don't know, I walk in victory now. So that's that. Um, so the verse I'm using is Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and to be thankful. Um, so let us pray. Um, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for what you continue to do in our lives here in this church, Lord God, and that you continue to reveal those things that need to come out of us and filter those things, Lord God, through us to overcome those things, Jesus. I pray that we walk in victory, Lord God, and for those that have low self-esteem, Lord God, I just pray that you continue to work in them, Lord, and to give them a peace of mind, Jesus. And I just pray for the service and what you have in store for us. Um, I say break those chains, Lord God, let those people walk in victory, Jesus, and I just thank you, Lord God. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are thankful that God changes us? Come on, that he sets us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you today, Father. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together like this.
Jesus is asking you to come to him and to lay it all down. Somebody might think you're so filthy this morning. You might think you've done it all and he doesn't love you. But let me tell you the truth this morning. The truth is, is that his love is more than you can ever imagine. Come on, the truth is, is that his love covers over a multitude of mistakes. His love, and this is the truth, can cover you this morning. If you just say, God, I give it all to you. Come on, is that your heart? Say, I surrender it all to you, God. I trade it for your love. I trade the shame for your love. I trade the anxiety for your peace. I trade the bondage for your freedom. I'm trading it all. I'm trading it all. I'm trading death for life this morning. I speak life over you this morning. The love of Jesus, cover us, Lord. Cover us, Lord. Cover us, Lord.
are worthy to be served. You are worthy to be praised and adored. Your love makes this worth it all. Dear God, full surrender. Fire of God, fire of God, fire of God. Fire of God, fire of God, fire of God. Itaraba, Koraba, Sedaba, Koraba, Sedele. Oraba, Koriandaraba, Sidaba, Koraba, Setaraba, 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 Koraba, Oh, Rabba, Korraba, say, 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 Oh, you're fighting a fight you don't have to fight. You're fighting against sin. You're fighting against the demons in hell and you don't have to fight any longer. There's obstacles. There are hindrances in your way. And God has called you to be an overcomer. God is calling you to speak to your mountain and cast it into the sea right now in the name of Jesus. You're either in or you're out. You're serving him or you're not. Oh, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. There's nothing in this world. There is no devil. There is no sin. There is no temptation that can keep you from the love of God. Make a decision this morning to serve him. Oh, God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah, God. We received that word this morning. Oh, I just know God is doing something mighty and powerful in your life. I know God is doing something right now. If that's you, if you're struggling with sin in your relationship with God going up and down, right now, just say, God, forgive me of my sin. God, forgive me for doubt. God, forgive me for not knowing who you are. God, forgive me for, for being lukewarm. God, I don't want to be spit out your mouth. Come on, right now, make a decision. Oh, Rabase, God's presence is so powerful right now, and you know who you are in this room, wherever you are. God is saying, you don't have to do it alone. I paid a way so that you can stand up under all of those things. Oh, Rabakuriandarabase, hallelujah, God. We thank you for victory. We thank you that you call us overcomers, that we are more than conquerors in you, Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. Hallelujah. We thank you that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. We thank you that we're seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. We thank you that the same power that was exerted in Christ Jesus when he rose from the dead is inside of us. Hallelujah. Metro Praise, thank you so much for joining with us. 
please be seated. I want to take this time right now to dismiss all of the children. We're going to prepare our hearts right now in this room to take communion. Hallelujah. God is good. Oh, he is so powerful and amazing, and he's doing something so special. And I believe somebody is going to get saved today. Somebody's going to get sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. You guys believe that with me this morning? Somebody who is sick in their body is going to get healed. God is doing something powerful. Amen. And I want to just preach the gospel to you before we take communion. I also want to release all of the ushers to go ahead and start passing out the elements. My name is Pastor Griselda. Thank you so much for joining with us. And I just want to share the love of God with you this morning. It's the love of God that drew me. It's the love of God that's going to draw you. Amen. If you don't receive the love of God, there are consequences to that. And I want to share just the Bible tells us in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. He loves us. He loves all of his creation. No matter where you're at, this morning, if you're deep in sin, you're deep into a life of darkness, or if you think you're a good person, God loves you, and he desires more for your life. He desires for you to know him, for you to receive that love, and because of that love, you want to follow his commandments. Because of that love, you want to draw closer to him each and every day and live this life out unto him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes, if you just believe, if you put your faith in him this morning and saying, God, I don't want this life that I have. I want what you have for me. If you put your faith in him and believe, you will have eternal life. Once this body is done, it's in the body, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's buried, it's in a tomb, your spirit lives on. And we know that without Jesus Christ, our spirit cannot spend eternity in heaven with him. But with him, we have eternal life. This life here is temporary. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life with the King of Kings. Amen. Amen. It's because of that that today, every first uh, Sunday of the month, we take time to remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection because it's powerful. We proclaim the Lord's death. We preach the gospel, and people can be saved. If we can uh, turn to the scripture in 1 Corinthians. Everyone got one? Please stand up to your feet with me as we take this together. This is Paul speaking. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given it, given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Go ahead and take the wafer. If that was you this morning as I was speaking and you saying, that's me, I want Jesus Christ, I want that new life, in a little bit, we're going to have some ushers up here, we're going to have some pastors and deacons to pray for you after and you can come up and say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So now take your wafer. Representing Jesus' body that was broken for us. And let's just pray over this. Father, we thank you so much 
for giving your only son, Jesus Christ, to die, that his body was broken, that received the humiliation, the lashes, the piercings for us, for the punishment that we deserved was upon him. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And so we thank you for this today. We remember his death on the cross. We thank you. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the wafer. Verse 25, he says, in the same way, as we take the grape juice, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Father, we thank you for this, your blood we, that represents the new covenant. God, we thank you we don't have to work for our salvation. We thank you that by, because of your blood, we can be washed clean of our sin, dear God. We don't have to pay the punishment, dear God, but we can receive your gift. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers us. Father, we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the juice. Lord, we thank you for new life. We thank you for life in Jesus. Father, we thank you for those in this room that today are going to make the decision to follow you. I pray that in this room you would just arise up new disciples, dear God, people that would lay down their lives for you. In Jesus' name, we want to sing this song one more time and just close, out, close this out with just some praise unto God for what he has done, for the awesome sacrifice that he made for us. Amen. were weak, dear God, but you made us strong. We thank you because of your great love, and we thank you that we have allowed you, dear God, and you have become the Lord of our lives, dear God, Lord over everything in our lives. Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for eternal life in you, and we thank you for the love that was displayed on that cross when you died for our sins. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give him some praise. He is good. Amen and amen.
want to take this time to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. This is what we as a church believe and stand on. So we want to recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Please take some time to fellowship. If you need prayer, we, we have our prayer workers right over here waiting for you. As distant hearts begin believing, redemption's bid is
Good morning, Metro Praise. Who's excited to be here? Make some noise. I was so busy mingling, I actually forgot that I had to do this. We're feeling the love. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. It is wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces. Look to your neighbors, say it's so nice to see you. Look to your other neighbors, say you better come back next week. Welcome. We are so thankful that you have chosen MPI to come and worship the Lord. How many of you guys had a powerful time in God's presence? Amen. If this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. If you did not receive one of our brochures at the door, our ushers will get one to you right now. You can just fill out the bottom portion, tear it off, put it in the drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week and just uh, extend that hand of uh, friendship with you. Our, our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. If we could go to the previous slide, please. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. And Fridays is our youth group, Elevate. Every Friday at 7 p.m. It's 11 to 18 years old. So if you know any teenagers within that age, bring them on by. They are blowing it up for Jesus and just they're passionate young people. And how many of you guys believe our the next generation needs to fall in love with Jesus? They need to get a hold of God. And so Pastor Ellie Leilani are doing an awesome job with that. We have an exciting announcement for you guys. Easter Sunday is right around the corner and we are going to two services. Somebody call out, say dos. How do you say it in Spanish? Dos ser. Okay, there you go, two services. The first one will remain at 10 a.m., so everything will flow like it has always been. And then our second service will be at 1 p.m. So we are kicking that off Easter Sunday, okay? And then we want to present to you our sermon series that will be following that, that will be kicking, off, kicking it off on April 5th, which is Easter Sunday. Who is Jesus? So we want to encourage you guys and challenge you to keep inviting your friends and family to come to church, but especially for that time, invite your coworkers, your friends, people that you know that don't understand Christianity, that really don't have an understanding and concept about God. We want them to be here. So Who is Jesus is our sermon series. These are the four things we're going to be talking about. Savior raised from the dead or just a buried man? Come on, we know that he's a savior raised from the dead. Amen. God in the flesh or just a good man? Miracle worker or just a good teacher? The only way or just a way among many? We believe that he is the only way. He is our miracle worker. He is our savior who died, was buried, and rose again. So we are excited. We're putting a lot of just love into this series. And so we want to encourage you to just invite people. And let's get ready to grow. Amen. Look at your neighbor saying it's time to grow. Amen. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And we have a discipleship strategy that has three steps. It's connect, mentor, and send. And the way we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts, you have the schedule of the life groups that are meeting this quarter. So please find a place to belong. And we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week. So today we have our worship life group happening come on if this is your life group i want you guys to shout me down worship team life group happening today 12 30 201 and up they're not excited ishmael i think you're gonna need to talk to them later today single mamas with child care provided 5 p.m single ladies will be meeting on tuesday 18 years and up 7 p.m at woodfield mall if you need more information about that talk to robin 
Uh, Wednesday, we have the Righteously Redeemed Youth Group. That's uh, Elevate, 11 to 18 years old. Meet here at the church at 6 p.m. This Wednesday, King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 every single week. Drop them off. The little ones are learning about Jesus. Get yourself some free time. Thursday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group. Come on, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meet here at the church. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, one at the Walkers, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Be there or you are going to not have fun that day, okay? You want to be at these adult Bible studies. That is where you get life. That's where you get your fill of friendship and fellowship and get plugged in. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism team. Come on, evangelism team, make some noise. All ages are welcome for that. Meet at the church at 5 p.m. They're blowing it up. How many of you guys believe Chicago needs Jesus? Look to your neighbors. Say, you're the answer. Well, Jesus is the answer, but we're going to give them the answer, okay? So Jesus, you know, he, he needs us to do it. Amen. And then we want to mentor you. So we want to put take you through our um, 101, which is welcome to your new life. We have leaders ready to take you through this book. And then after you graduate the 101, you'll go into the 201, which is Disciples That Make Disciples with Pastor Jared on Sunday mornings. And this is 12 lessons of just helping you be a leader, how to defend your faith, how to live free, how to live holy. Amen. And then we want to send you out to preach the gospel, to be a soul winner, to evangelize on your job, to go out on the streets. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. How many of you guys are ready to learn about tithing? Come on. We are on section one of the Disciples Giving book on lesson nine. We should be faithful to tithe. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter three, verses six through eight. You could follow along on the screen or if you would like to turn to the book via the website, it's, dis, it's givingbook.org. Givingbook.org will take you right there. Just click on section one, uh, lesson nine. We should be faithful to tithe. The definition of tithe is that it is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Somebody say faithfully. All right, let's read Malachi 3, 6 through 8. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Let's listen to the main points from this passage of scripture. Number one, God never changes. Look to your neighbor and say, God never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Though God's requirements from the old to the new covenant may be applied differently to his people, however, his character remains the same. So the tithe was never done away with. What was required of the people from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is required of us today. Jesus never did away with the tithe. Number two, the tithe remains in place for the New Testament. Unlike the dietary laws and the sacrificial laws of Old Testament, which are clearly fulfilled in the teachings of Christ, the principle of, of tithing remains intact for today's believers. Somebody say amen. Number three, if we stop tithing, we must repent for robbing God and return to being faithful. God is looking for faithful stewards, faithful people that can, he could call his children. 
God clearly defines not tithing as robbing from him. Therefore, we are to be faithful in always giving back to him 10% of our income. Here's the summary. Return to tithing if you have stopped and make it a faithful practice. Number one, let's apply this to our life. Repent and return to tithing if you have not been faithful in this command. And number two, remain consistent in your tithing out of your love and obedience to God. It's because of love. It's because he's worth it. It's because we, out of relationship that we do it. It's out of relationship that he asks for it. Because how many of you guys know everything we have is because of him? So we freely give it all. We freely surrender. We want to follow all of God's commands. Come on. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied in, with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Come on, stand up with your feet to your feet with me this morning. We are so thankful that you have partnered with the Lord, partnered with MPI, so that we can see him do great and mighty things through this city and throughout all the nations of the world. We thank you for your generosity. From the, from the leadership to you, we thank you for partnering with us. And it is an honor, it is a privilege that we get to do this for God's kingdom. Because if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things that we need will be given unto us. Come on. Um, we wanna, I just want to remind you, if we could go to the previous slide, 10% is a tithe, faithfully given. And then our offering goes to two different places, missions and building. Missions offering is a gift above your tithe that you will give to various mission projects that we will have throughout the year. And then and you could give any time you want. And then building offering is a gift given above your tithe that we are currently giving towards purchasing a new 15-passenger van. So thank you. Yes, come on, clap it up. It is exciting that we get to have a new 15-passenger van to do all that God has called us to do in the city. And I do want to remind you that we do have online payments to make it more convenient for you. So online giving through Chase Quick Pay online uh, banking or pay, PayPal. And then it, uh, another reminder, we said it last week, we have the option for you to purchase books, T-shirts, various things, giving uh, your tithe or offering through your credit cards or debit cards in the back by the book table uh, through me or Griselda. So if, you, if that would make it convenient for you, you want to purchase a book, a Bible, anything. A t-shirt, you can give us your credit card or debit card, and we can swipe it, and it will be an automatic payment. Somebody say, we're moving on up. Come on. Let's prepare to give our tithes and offerings this morning. Again, thank you for ge your generosity. Let's recite this. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you loved us and that you gave your son first so that we could have salvation, so that we could have eternal life. And I just thank you for everybody in this place. I pray that you prosper them, you bless them. I thank you for every tither and giver here. I pray that you would open doors, that, th that they would have, uh, that, that you would open doors that no man could shut and shut doors that no man can open. Those that are looking for employment, I pray that you place them exactly where you want them to be. I pray for favor and increase and abundance, God, of your blessings and promises and finances and health and all that we need, God. And in turn, we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise. I just pray, God, that every gift that is given today will be multiplied to be used to further your kingdom in the city and throughout the world. And everybody said amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you for your generosity.
right, all right. How many are ready today? Can I hear woo woo? Come on, how many love Jesus? Can I get a hallelujah? Amen. Thank you so much for showing up this morning. Today is awesome. You know, every time I think about March, I think about spring. Do you guys kind of think that way? Uh, spring is supposed to be here. It's a little bit late. Did you know that we just had the coldest February in our history tied with a time like in 1875 or something? But uh, February on average was 17 degrees. Normally, it's around 24 degrees. So how many are ready for some sunshine to come out? Amen. Bring it, Lord. You know you're from Chicago when you're looking at the 10-day forecast and it's 38 and you get excited. You're like, oh, 38 degrees. It's coming, Jesus. It's coming. I'm ready, Lord. Oh, praise God. It was funny because when I went to New Orleans, baby, when I was down in New Orleans, I came wearing shorts and short sleeves. So you saw me walk around. You're like, dude, it's like 40 degrees here. So I'm like, man, it's warm to me. But, uh, man, it's so good to be in the house of God. Would you open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be continuing on in our series about the heart of God. And today's message is really special to me because I wasn't born and raised in Chicago, but today's message is God's heart for Chicago. So just like I had to talk on immigration, and I wasn't Latino, and I think I did the best job possible that I could, today as a non-native to Chicago, I want to share with you my heart for Chicago, but more importantly, God's heart. Can I get an amen? Are you all happy that I'm trying to do that? Okay, I love Chicago, and I could tell you some dreams that I had about Chicago as a young man because my family was actually from here. My dad was from the south side right by um, where Midway, Air Midway Airport is on Austin. So my dad grew up. He went to uh, Kelly High School out there. Does anybody know of Kelly High School on the south side? Okay, south side. And uh, my dad wanted to move to the Burbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana, where the cornfields are high. So he brought us all out there, and I regretted it. You know, I didn't like it, but I think God spared my life for that because, you know, I was a high school dropout. I was doing drugs by 15, and I think to myself, if I would have been in a city like Chicago, I may not be alive today. So I'm so glad that God spared me. Uh, but it was quite boring in Fort Wayne, and uh you know, it's just, you know, you don't go to Fort Wayne unless you're lost. And, you know, and then the, and then the thing about Fort Wayne is like, you know, you think it's cool to go to the mall and that becomes your social thing. And I really felt like that was only a Fort Wayne thing. And then I realized, like, that's like a Midwestern thing because I went to Woodfield Mall this week to do something. It was, like, packed up in there. And you could tell, like, nobody had any bags. It wasn't like they were buying anything. It was like, let's just go to the mall. How many Midwesterners just relate to that? Okay, about a few of you. So the mall was big in Fort Wayne. That's what we did. And then Three Rivers Festival, you guys, some of you guys remember coming to that. But Chicago is my home now, has been today. March actually makes 11 years that I've been living in Chicago. Give it up for Jesus. Many of you don't know that about me, but I am a missionary to you. Literally, I mean, it sounds silly, but it is actually true. I am from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I went, uh, you know, was born and raised there, got saved at 18, went to Bible college in New Orleans, lived there for almost eight years, and God sent me here. So how many Chicago natives do I have? If you're born in Chicago, can you stand up? I want to see all the people born in Chicago. All right, let's make noise for some Chicago natives in the house. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. So I wasn't born in Chicago. I was born in Indiana, learned to preach in New Orleans, as the locals say, Nolens. 
Can any of y'all tell that I learned to preach in New Orleans? Anybody tell that I got a southern twang to me? To an almost all African-American congregation. So sometimes I come here to Chicago and the African-American, you know, they want to say, Joe, be more sophisticated. It looks like you're just trying to talk like, like, like you're trying to be a wannabe. And I'm like, there is no wannabe about me. This is as real as it is, baby. This is me being me. You can blame it on New Orleans. You can blame it on my first church. But they just got in my heart the preaching style. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. I mean, I just can't get away from it. So uh, even though I'm going to get my doctorate degree, uh, my first class is actually next week, so pray for me. I, have, I was a high school dropout, ended up getting my GED, going to Bible college, getting an associate's degree. Later on in ministry, I finished my bachelor's degree, then went and got my master's through Liberty University Online, and then I got accepted to Trinity Evangelical University in Deerfield, one of the prestigious schools of our area, uh, this summer, or, or rather past summer, uh, around that time, and my first class is this March, amen, going for my doctorate. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Hey, man, I ain't wild and crazy no more. Just wild and, I should say I'm not wild and crazy for the world, but I'm wild and crazy for Jesus. So I haven't lost that part of me. But uh, when I first came to Chicago, I was just taken aback by the multicultural nature of the city. You know, it was just amazing to me to see all the demographics of the city. Uh, living in New Orleans, uh, sadly, it was very segregated. Some of my African-American professors remember getting served out of the side of buildings and sitting on different seats in the bus and being segregated. I mean, the, my professors uh, taught us this when we learned African-American history and so forth, and then they would share their experiences. And uh, even I I, pastoring a predominantly African-American church, experienced racism in just a small part, you know, being with them, taking them to places like uh, Buckaloo, Mississippi, and then, you know, showing up with a van of like 40 African-Americans, a bus rather, and walking into a place, you know, and I don't think any different. I'm just like, hey, we're going to go get pizza up in Mississippi, and uh, we were just probably in the wrong place, and, you know, everybody's looking at us, and you just get that idea that, man, racism still exists. But I remember uh, coming to Chicago, not saying Chicago doesn't have racism, but I just remember just seeing all the multi-ethnic and cultural backgrounds and, and the blended nature of it. And I think Chicago has that good for it, doesn't it? I mean, there may be some lingering racists hanging around somewhere in Chicago, but it does seem like y'all get along pretty good. Amen. Do y'all love each other? You Red, yellow, black, and white, Asian, all that. You guys all love each other. Amen. Okay, so it, that, that's really, the, I'll be honest with you, an impact that it made into my heart. Uh, and then noticing that, uh, of course, you know, I was on the north side, so I, I wouldn't, you know, say I know much about Chicago other than what I've, I've been here for, for 11 years. So I lived on Addison and Pulaski, a few miles from Wrigley Field, and uh, I would always go to these Cubs games with all the Cubs fans that are here, some of the guys I've known for a while, and the Cubs would lose game after game after game, and I would just be like, why are we even going to the game? <laughs> We're spending all this money, taking all this time out of our schedule just to watch these dudes lose. So what I ended up doing was just riding my bike down to the lake all the way down Addison, and then I would ride down the lakefront. Has anybody ever did that before? So within the first year of living in Chicago, I would ride down from Addison, almost get killed, and then show up at the lakefront and then ride all the way down. Uh, to Hancock and then ride back and then one time I actually rode all the way down to where it ends by Comiskey Park I believe somewhere around there it ends yeah so I rode all the way there believe it or not I did that and um, one of the things that would just capture my heart is I'm sure as many of you growing up here is like that beautiful skyline you know 
And then somebody actually then took me to the Hancock building, the, the lounge up there, which has been my favorite place ever since because you can get up there and just see the entire city. And uh, it was during those times of riding my bike and uh, getting to know people of all different backgrounds and cultures and, and uh, just seeing the city that God began to give me a heart for the city. I mean, obviously, I was called here, and I could get into that of how I showed up here, but I'm just trying to uh, summarize as much as I can. So within the first year of being here, I began to see, you know, Chicago has needs. Like any city, it has needs. And being a newcomer to the city, it was new to me, and I was humble to learn. I was willing to learn about Orozco Candules. I was willing to learn about uh, the Bud Billiken Parade. I was willing to learn about Boricua. I was willing to learn about all the cultures in my, my Greek family because I ended up getting married very very early on living here. Um, my Greek family, every time we'd go out, would be to a new Greek restaurant. So I think I have gone to at least, a third or if not half of all the Greek restaurants in the city of Chicago and surrounding areas. Uh, and, and, and I just began to realize that uh, Chicago isn't what it once was in so many ways. That uh, there used to be a stronger value of family here. Uh, th th there used to be uh, more camaraderie. And uh, it seems like about 50 years ago, as we'll get into it today, that some things just started happening here, and it doesn't seem like it's stopped. And it's not only Chicago, so don't get me wrong. I don't want to be like the outsider beating up on Chicago. But it kind of seems like Chicago could be an example of the nation. I mean, it's like we're a blue-collar, hardworking city. And I think some of the things that we've been experiencing here for the last 50 years is much as I've done research and can tell, and, and from what I got in my prayer closet, I think it's for the nation. So today's word, if you want to just track with me, is God's heart for Chicago as I prayed and tried to get a big perspective of what he sees here and what he's shown me through my time here. And then really, it's also a message for the nation. Like, I, I think this is how God is looking at our country right now, and he's looking at us through these lenses that we can see directly here in Chicago. If you're tracking with me, can I hear go with it? Come on, here we go. Let's go with it. Let's start right here. Ephesians, you guys with me? Chapter 3, verse 16. Paul is talking. This is the series text for the whole entire series. We preached on it in February. We're doing it all of March. It's called God's Heart. Today specifically God's Heart for Chicago. Look at it. I pray that out of his riches, glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Come on, everybody say hearts. So Paul is praying here that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? In judgment? In hatred? No, in love. It's rooted and established in love. May have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. How many want to be filled to the fullness of God? If God has something, don't you want to receive it today? Amen. All the fullness. Continuing on. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask. How many know you can ask God a lot of things? But he can do immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine. How many big imaginations do I have in here? Come on, he can do more than you can ask. Imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. The power's here. It's not somewhere out there. The power's within us that God's given us through his love. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And can everybody say amen? 
Amen. Thank you. I, I believe that this scripture is going to help guide us today as we look at the city of Chicago and God's great heart for it. How many love Chicago, first of all? Okay. I, I don't want to talk to haters right now. I'm not talking to people that hate on Chicago, uh, people that wish they didn't live here. I'm not talking to those people today. Amen. Uh, we'll preach a message of repentance to you next week. Also, don't be double-minded. If you don't like it, no one's keeping you here. Amen. Because everybody's like, oh, I wish I lived in Florida. Ain't nobody keeping you. Go ahead. Give up your job to one of my friends in the church then. Amen. You go to Florida then. If we love Chicago, we should be open to what God has to say. And I, as a pastor, am here as your servant to study God's word and to present it before you. And so today I want to ask you, do you believe this is what God is saying to Chicago? Don't just take my word for it. As I present it to you, you determine, is this true or is it not? Because though I'm not a Chicago native, I have joyfully made this great city a home. I'm raising my kids here for 11 years. I've lived in four different areas. And I am pastoring this church in the hopes that God can exalt this land in righteousness. Can I hear everybody say righteousness? You see, I am praying that we will shed the sins that grieve God's heart and that we would walk in the path that he has before us. I believe like the founders of Northwestern University, Chicago's largest college, that our only hope is in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Now, brothers, please refresh this page because I added something to it in my office. Northwestern University stands in Chicago as a beacon of education and of the, uh, the superiority, as we could say, that Chicagoans bring to the table. This is a superior university. It's one of the best in the nation, one of the best in all of the world. But did you know that this university was established by Christians? And I think universities are a good place to start and focus on because it's a place where we go to learn to do commerce and to go do business. I want you to see here, as they put it up, the logo of Northwestern University as it was established in the 1800s, what they made it as, and what it still is today. If you look at the Latin around the outer circle, that Latin right there is the Bible verse, Philippians 4, 8, and it says that, whatever things are true. So when the Methodists started this college, it was designed to teach the people of this city that when they did business, when they would be lawyers, when they would be politicians, because that's what a, a local university is supposed to do, and this is a great one, it was supposed to raise them up to know whatever is true. Then when you look at the book there, that is actually the Bible. Isn't that surprising to you? Isn't that surprising? Would you think of Northwestern as a Bible college today? Would you think of it as a bastion of hope for Christian values? Would you think of their young people being taught the things of God that are true? But yet it was established that way. In the Bible right there is the Greek verse from John 1.14, the word full of grace and truth. So they established a university for this great city, which is still one of the greatest universities in our country, one of the best and largest in the city, and it was established on knowing whatever is true from God's word and to have grace and truth from the word Jesus Christ. So who makes the best scientists according to the founders of Northwestern? Christians, because they'll know what's true about science and they'll know how to apply it. How many know there were smart people in Nazi Germany knowing about science, but they didn't apply it the right way? A dummy doesn't make a gas chamber. Are you listening to me? 
It takes wisdom to make a gas chamber. You have to know what you're doing. But they didn't have the grace and truth of God to apply their science correctly. And so today we have to ask the same thing about business. Are we applying the grace and truth of God in Chicago businesses? Are we applying the grace and truth of God into our politics? My friends, this was our university, the one you would want your children to go to, and this was the values that they espoused. Now, I wonder how long it will take for this 1851 logo to be changed. At some point, they're going to recognize the absolute hypocrisy of these statements and probably do away with it, as in some ways Harvard has as well. If you didn't know, Harvard, Princeton, and Yale were Bible colleges. Now, I want you to hear some terms before we get started when I talk about Chicago because some of y'all are just harsh to our uh, suburban folks. Because though I've lived in three places directly in the city, now I have moved out to the suburbs. So let me define what I mean here. When I'm talking about Chicago today, I'm referring to the metro area, 2.7 million, third largest city in America. You guys know that. In this, which is now 6.8 million in suburbs, the suburbs, for a total of 9.5 million. Isn't that amazing? Chicago is large and in charge, isn't it? That's what I'm talking about. So give us suburban folks a break. Amen. What we're also referring to when we talk about Chicago, because last week I didn't get a chance to clarify this, and so lest I be accused of making America white and white is right, please forgive me for not always clarifying. Did you know that before 20 years before the Civil War that there were freed slaves that were in politics, graduating college, and were also in Congress? So listen to me, my friends. When I espouse the values of America, I'm talking about those kind of values. I'm not talking about people who beat up Kuta Kinte, and I'm not talking about people who rob and steal land. I'm talking about good people who came to this country from all different countries of the world to make America and Chicago a melting pot, a great, a great place. Amen? So lest I be confused with a white man preaching a white gospel, this is not a white gospel. This is a Jesus Christ God-centered gospel. And everybody is invited to be a part of it. As a matter of fact, Jesus wasn't white. He was brown. Amen. And as I got some of my brothers over here, amen to me last time, he had a nappy beard most likely. Amen. So praise God for a, a dark-colored Jesus. Amen. Now, my point being, and by the way, Moses married an Ethiopian. Because once you go black, baby, you don't go black. He got him an Ethiopian beauty queen. Praise God. So y'all didn't know about that. Moses strolling on in. Come on. Hallelujah. When I'm talking about multicultural, I'm not talking about multi-races, as they say, because I believe there's only one race, the human race. We've all come from Adam and Eve. After God judged Noah's world, it was Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his three sons and three wives that repopulated the earth. So we're all one human race, but I do believe in multicultures. Uh, we don't all have the same culture, and, and sometimes cultures are identified by physical attributes, but that's not necessarily so. There can be light-skinned people, dark-skinned people in different cultures. There can be eyes that are different and, and same in cultures. Like, for example, when I was in India, India, I kept thinking a lot of the people were from China because of the way their eyes were shaped. But I didn't understand history and how India and China have been trading back and forth before I was even born. Are you listening to me? So who am I to be like, you look Chinese and you're Indian. How is that? They're looking at me like, you're dumb. You don't even understand history. You, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, it can be like that, right? Okay. 
So when I'm talking about multicultures, I'm talking about all the different groups that make up Chicago. Now, here's what the main groups are, and if your group gets left out, please forgive the demographic folks here, but uh, here's what we are in Chicago. Uh, the metro area, those 2.7 million people. African American is the largest group, and Southside is the largest African American neighborhood in the United States, second to Harlem. 32% uh, is white, 29% is Hispanic, a Latino of some origin, you know, different countries, and then 6 percent is Asian. So let's just start off and see where my people are at. So if you consider yourself African or African American, would you please stand up with me right now? We got some folks up in here. Let's give it up for our African American brothers and sisters. Amen. I know because I said the word consider yourself. Look at you, white boy. No, stay standing. Stay standing. If you consider yourself white from a European origin, you're white. Go ahead and stand up. Let's give it up for all the white boys and girls. Come on. Here we are. Polish, Italian, so forth. It's about ready to get cray-cray up in here. If you consider yourself Hispanic or Latino, would you stand up, please? There we go. There we go. If you consider yourself Asian of any descent, Southeast Asia, you know, China, would you stand up? Some Asians up in the place. Amen. Filipinos, Panais, and Panois. Now, if you're not standing up, I don't know what you consider yourself, but I tried to summarize it all. Now, I want us to look at the beautiful people around us right now. Would you just look around? Just tell somebody you love them. Maybe hug them, high five them. Tell them you're glad to see them here this morning. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There we go. Come on. You know, I could do mixed, but I felt like at some point, we would be here all day. But for all my mixed folks, if you consider yourself mixed and you're left out on the censuses, you can stand up now, please. Who wants to be mixed? There you go. Two of you. Okay. God bless you. There you go. You feel better now? Here's, from, here's a map from 1950. We can't show it all together, but this shows the beauty of Chicago. They actually mapped out a lot of the neighborhoods here. You can find a lot of this online and look for yourself. Uh, the different neighborhoods and all the different countries that came uh, to Chicago and began to settle in these communities. You have uh, them marked out, the Germans, the Irish, the Swedes, the Norwegian, the Dutch, the Czechs, the African-American, Scottish, Polish, Italian, all just marked out here. Chicago has become quite a bastion of hope for immigration, has it not? It's a, it's a place where we can show the world this is how we all get along. And, and it's a great idea that people had not only here in Chicago, but what our founders had, what the people who established America had in their heart. Chicago was living out that dream. Now, like I said, today's message is not on racism, and I may touch on it a little bit, but I think in Chicago we do well, especially better than being in the South. So I got something to compare it to. I think we do well of being a melting pot. How many of you went to a high school? Let's just start with, with this example. How many of you went to a high school where a lot of these nations were represented? Can I see hands raised? European, African-American, uh, Latino, righteous, all parts of the world. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's beautiful. So much to be thankful for and what God has done in this wonderful city. But at the same time now, I want to give you some stats and facts that break my heart. And this is what I said. Not only is for Chicago, but I think it stands for America but sadly, because we're so big, we have some very disturbing large facts in this area. For example, 
abortion in the state of Illinois is very high compared to the rest of the country because of our population. 28,000 children, 26,888 children were murdered in abortion clinics in 2012. That is in Cook and DuPage County. That is an average of 74 deaths per day, three every hour. Isn't that devastating? Isn't that sad? Do you think that's something we should be proud of? What's happened to our people? How have we turned away from what universities were trying to teach us at one point? How have we gotten to this point where statistically that's 18% of the pregnancies in our city ending in murder? That's almost one out of five. One out of five. This congregation has already had five pregnancies this year. Some are already giving birth right now, praise God. And, of course, it probably was more for 2014, but you know what I mean. Could you imagine if every time five of them came in this church, one of them murdered their child? Now, if you're here today and you've done that, God can forgive you. He will forgive the sin of murder. But let's not uh, dance around it. Let's not pretend it was something other than what it was. It was taking of an innocent life. You know this as well as I do. I mean, you guys teach me about the violence in the city. I mean, I've been schooled on what to do and what not to do. Let me just give you an example. When I first came here, um, I had to change a little bit from the south because in the south, when you're rolling through people's neighborhoods, you got to let them know who you are. You got to go a little bit slower. You got to honk on the horn. Hey, what's up, people? How you doing? How you doing? You got to wave a little bit. You know what I'm saying? How you doing? That's how you got to do it. So I was just rolling through a Chicago neighborhood, and I saw these young dudes. I was like, boop, boop, you know, honking on the horn, hey, how you doing? All of a sudden, gang signs started coming up. They jumped up off the ledge they were sitting on and started walking to my car. Where's my wife? Am I not telling the truth? I'm like, oh, my goodness, I guess I ain't going to be saying hi to nobody no more. Just look straight. And then I began to, re then I began to learn the, the, the stop with the car in front of you rule, like leave room for you to get out of that lane if you have to. Because one time I was with my wife on Milwaukee, uh, right by Milwaukee, and somebody jumped out of their car in the middle of traffic and tried to come into our car. So I had to, I had to get out of the lane. Then another time, this is true story, true story. As I was riding my bike up and down the lake, it was like, this was beautiful. And at night, you know, you would see all those lights. It's like epic. So I was like, honey, I'm like, you got to bring the car over here. We're going to walk on the lake at night. We're going to see all the lights. I got my little tight biker shorts on. <laughs> I'm walking with my bike down the lake. And all of a sudden, these gangbangers are now like, I guess they claim that lake for themselves. I didn't know that's how they rolled out here. And then all of a sudden, literally, they're throwing up gang signs, throwing bottles at me. When I'm thinking I'm going to take a walk with my wife on the lake. My car has been broken into three times. Three different cars have been broken. Uh, two of them the same have been broken into. And then uh, a minivan was stolen in front of my house. That was when I lived on Lawndale and Potomac. One time, taking home, one time somebody was driving me home on Lawndale and Potomac, and a gang member in our neighborhood threw a brick at his car and put a dent in it, and I don't think he wanted to take me home anymore after church. Seriously, we were coming home from church, boink, and it was like, what was that? I mean, it sounded like somebody just threw a brick at us. And then we got out the car, and sure enough, there was a dent on the roof. Somebody threw a brick at us. Um, I've watched a shooting happen. I was going to um, CVS. I had a friend from out of town. He's like, hey, let me show you Chicago. All of a sudden, 
a dude runs out the CVS parking lot chasing another car, lighting up the block, shooting guns. Now, if you've been in Chicago and have uh, had somebody try to carjack you, you've seen a shooting, or you've had your car broken into, would you raise your hand if you've seen some cray-cray stuff? Okay, so I'm not alone. But after all those stories, you might be like, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. Now I carry a gun. True story. Amen. <laughs> Y'all getting happy? Second Amendment. Second Amendment. cock I'm ready for you guys now. Let's get it on. So I got my training. I carry a gun. Praise the Lord. Tactical and all that. Some of you are like, is he serious? The other ones are like, oh, yeah, he's serious. Pastor be carrying a gun. Anyway, so moving right along, we had our church van stolen out the parking lot. How many times? Once or twice? Twice stolen out the parking lot. I'll just never forget the one time with Ricky going to pick up the van. It was like, man, I don't know what they did. This, this, this thing took it off road in. I don't know what they did. The thing was just beat up. And we went to go see it, and they were talking about And it's like you just felt sorry for the van. You just felt sorry for it. It's like, man, they treated you bad, didn't they, van? Look how they did you wrong. Oh, man, so, I mean, Chicago is a tough place. But that's not the way it should be. That's not the way the majority of people are. And we've lost that value of community because we're not doing our part anymore. We just can't say it's somebody else's fault. I didn't just say, like, I was in some crack house and then I saw the shootout. I was on my way to CVS. I think we all need to take responsibility and make this place a better place. Well, let me give you the stats because I'm sure you're aware of it. Chicago is one of the most violent cities in America, oftentimes being the highest, averaging between four to 500 murders per year. And I have the stat here as well. You can look it up. I believe it's Chicago Tribune. Though sometimes our murders go down, it seems like the number of shootings are going up to whereas last year there was 2,500 shootings. Isn't that something? Now, they've called it Chirac for those reasons, and we need to bless our city, not curse it. But there is some truth behind the violence. And then when we look at corruption, how many uh, of you here, there's not many much older than 50 here, so many of you would be within my age range. Those who are older than 50, we're glad that you're here. But uh, how many of you are just kind of like, uh, you know, young adults growing up in Chicago, and you've always just kind of had this funny feeling like politics are a little corrupt around here. Like politicians just, they're just not right. Like so Something's not normal. Like, have you grown up? Well, if you're, if you're older than 50, you probably know why. In the last 50 years, four of our governors have been arrested and have done jail time. So it's not just like, eh, I wonder if there's some truth behind that. No. Rob Bogoyevich went to jail, is in jail. Ro George Ryan went to jail. He still may be there. Dan Walker and Otto Kerner in the 60s and late 60s there. So you, you see we've had four of our governors in jail. Now, that's not normal, folks. That shouldn't be okay with us. Somehow, either we don't know how to vote for folks, or these politicians are crazy. And it may be a little bit of both, amen? It may be a little bit of both. So I want us to be honest when we hear this text, I'm about ready, uh, three texts I'm about ready to read, because I believe God has a heart for us. Now, like I said, I could say so many other things, but I'm trying to summarize this. Uh, for what we need to do and call to action. Let me read these three scriptures. If you want to turn there with me, you can, but i got to go through them quickly for the sake of time. Proverbs 14.34, then Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and then John 1.14. Let's start with this Proverbs scripture right here, 14.34. 
This is Solomon talking. He was a king. He was very wise. He says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So you could put city in there as well. Righteousness exalts a city, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Have we not seen this in Chicago now? Sin is a disgrace to us. It's a disgrace that we have to be afraid to go to the lake with our wife because of gangbangers. Now, politicians may want to argue over this. We need to up the police. We need to, uh, you know, put the parents in jail if they don't keep track of their kids. You know, we need to get rid of these uh, corrupt pastors in the community that aren't helping. Yet there, there's probably 101 uh, different uh, things we could say that need to change. But God summarized it as righteousness. We just need to do what's right. So start wherever you want. Parents need to do what's right. So parents, raise your kids right. Teachers, teach the kids right. Policemen, treat the children and youth right so they'll respect you. And then everybody here, act right. But if we fall apart at the family level, the educational level, the civil government level, then we now have disgrace and we can't blame anybody but ourselves. At some point, we have to look back into the past and to leaders that have made great changes in our nation, whether it be Martin Luther King Jr. or the founder of the Northwestern University, those Methodists. We have to look back and say, if they did it right, we can do it right. If they raised their kids without little Wayne, we can raise our kids without little Wayne. Are you listening? If they raise their kids without having sex before marriage, we can raise our kids without having sex before marriage. If they didn't have to kill their babies in abortion clinics, we don't have to kill our babies. We can make a choice to return to the biblical values that were a part of this nation. Weren't always in the forefront, weren't always obeyed, not everybody always followed. That is correct. But it was there and there were righteous people there. And that's why God exalted a nation. That's why God exalted Chicago. Good people were here that followed the righteous values of God. We need to return to that because the majority of Chicagoans still claim Christ. They still call themselves Christians. The majority of Chicagoans are not satanic. They're not worshiping the devil. Most of them still consider themselves Christian. So that means they should follow Christ, should they not? Let's not blame the devil for what Christians are doing to themselves. 70% of those getting those abortions are Christians. Can we blame the devil for that? 70% say, I am a Christian, and yet they kill their child. The devil didn't make you do that. Stupidity and a hard heart made you do that. Repent, amen? This other scripture is going to be where I want to spend some of our time, and it may sound harsh at first, but I hope that you hear God's heart in the midst of this. How many of you love some things? Let's talk about food. How many of you all love to eat some things? Like, how many pizza fans we got up in here? Okay, you all love to eat pizza. How many, how many think there's some toppings on pizza you all don't want to rock with? Like the typical anchovies. Nobody want to do that. My Greek family loves that, by the way. But there's certain things you're not going to eat, right? How many love burritos? Come on. How many know there's some things on burritos you just don't want to put in there? Like cow tongue. Oh, I don't want a cow tongue burrito. No, thank you. Cow brain burrito. Everybody wants me to eat the craziest thing. It's always like when I hang out with their culture. It's like, you got to eat this. It's so crazy, Pastor. You'll love it. And I'm like, don't give me the stuff that makes me puke, okay? Let's start off with the easy stuff here. Let's start off with the good stuff. But when you think about it, if we love things and we hate things, where do we get that from if we're made in the image of God? We must get it from him. 
So there's things that he loves and there's things that he hates. Let's look at what he hates. There are six things, yes, even seven, the Lord hates that are detestable to him. Number one, haughty eyes. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Five, feet that are quick to rush into evil. Six, a false witness who pours out lies. And seven, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Does this not speak to you today? I'm with you as a Chicagoan. This speaks to me. Does God love these things or does he hate them? Come on, and do you see it in Chicago today? Some of you, do you see it in yourself? John 1.14, the scripture that we talked about Northwestern having as well as their motto, it should be our motto. The word, Jesus came in the flesh, making his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So we should understand the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, but yet we should understand the truth of God. We should not say it is okay to keep on sinning and keep doing wrong just because Jesus is going to forgive me. That is stupidity at its worst, is it not? What if I said to my wife, do you love me? She says, yes. Honey, do you have grace for me when I make mistakes? She says, yes. I go good because I've been cheating on you for on four different women, with four different women. Do you think right then and there she's going to say, well, let's just overlook that and keep going on? Now, how about if I go one step further and go, well, do you forgive me? And I want to stay with them now. So let's say you forgive me. She goes, yeah, I forgive you. But then I say, well, I want to stay with them. Would Nancy say back to me, go ahead, keep cheating on me because I'll keep allowing you to do that. If my wife wouldn't do that, then why would God allow us to do that? How long, parents, would you allow your children to bring drugs into your home? Just blatantly. Here's drugs, Dad. Here's drugs, Mom. How long would you let them do that without you putting your foot down? We have gotten to the place in our culture where we're doing the things that God hates, and we're not only just doing it in secret as it once used to be done, because, yes, sin's always been in the world, but now we're charging you money to go see it in a movie theater. People are paying for it to put it on their iPad. We're now calling it entertainment. What would have made our grandparents blush 50 years ago? Katy Perry gets to sing at the Super Bowl. Ask your grandparents what they thought about two girls kissing. And then think about the Super Bowl, the most televised event in the world, and we place before us this kind of singing. I mean, I was watching as well, uh, I think it was President's Day, at the White House, a concert, and I was just thinking to myself as Eminem was up there just cursing and just being vulgar, I was thinking to myself, because I've traveled over the world, could, I couldn't even imagine taking my friend Edward from Pakistan, who I had to meet in Nepal because he couldn't fly to India because of their conflicts, so he met us in Nepal. I couldn't imagine telling him about America. And then saying, travel with me to the White House, the, the, the beacon of our democracy, and then that concert being on. It would be a disgrace. He would look at us and say, no wonder the terrorists hate you so much. This is how they see you. Greedy, filthy, dirty. They have a book that they actually believe in those commands. No wonder my nation hates you. And I'm not giving them justification because I know not all Americans are like that. But can you believe just how, uh, how, how, bra how brazen and prideful we've gotten in our sin that we put it in the most public of places, a Super Bowl show, a White House concert for the soldiers on President's Day, and then we wonder why our nation is full of all of these troubles. 
You know what I consider it? I consider it someone who never takes out the trash. Now, I'm not calling people trash. I'm calling the behavior trash. So track with me. Imagine if every day you took your garbage can, and, uh, your garbage, instead of taking it out of the kitchen and putting it into your garbage can out back in the alley or whatever, imagine if you just took it out and you put it into your living room. How long do you think it would take for it to smell? How long do you think it would take to be a disgust to your friends that came over? And imagine you just keep piling it up, piling it up. My friend, that's our culture today. We need to repent. We need the grace of God, but we need the truth of God to tell us how to repent. We need to make it right and not just, just be a church on Sunday that says, rah, 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 shishkumba, let's do something about it. But no, actually walks out of here and sets the example. So, so who's the first person? I'll be the first person. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me around as I follow Christ. Look at my life. Do I treat my wife as I ought to? Am I loyal to my wife and kids? Do I treat my neighbor as myself? Am I honest in my dealings with business and taxes and all the things of this world? Do I abide by the laws of the land? Do I teach God's precepts and moral commands? I mean, start with somebody. Start with you if you don't want to start with me. But there has to be light. There has to be salt in this world. Can I hear an amen? I want to go through these quickly. I don't have a lot of time. But I want you to see before we get to the part where we pray, because we are going to pray today for our city and get some action points of what we can do. But I want you to see what these seven things are that God hates. Number one, God hates the haughty eyes. That is a prideful look in our eyes. It's the opposite of gentle and humble, only looking out for one's own benefit. Now, I don't want to keep beating up on music today, but does not music reflect this prideful look being exalted in our culture? And I'm not just talking about rap. I'm talking about most of our music and entertainment. You look at the, the rock, you look at the, uh, the singers and all this. Is it not all just about them? Is it all not just about their selfishness? Now, I know some of us like to watch these shows like The Voice and all of this, and I know that there's talented people out there. But when it really gets down to it, it's not a lot of what drives that industry. It's just full-on selfishness. Like, worship me. What do they even call the American idol? Idolize me. Worship me, buy my album, listen to me. Is that not the heart of our industries? The same thing with movie stars. Like we get, we get so like enamored when Brad Pitt, like go, you know, went to New Orleans, does this charity. But is he really humble? Is he really serving Christ, or is he serving himself? Now we look at the famous people that way, but look at your own life. When somebody comes up to your desk at, at the office or at, at the service place where, or you're servicing people, do they see a look of pride in your eyes? Like it's all about you? They're, you know, these customers are just a burden to you in your time? Or do you come to them with gentleness? Can they see gentleness in your eyes? Can they see respect? Do you respect them? How many know when somebody respects you? Doesn't a lot of it come from their eyes, from their facial expressions? Of course, from their words. We'll get to that in just a moment. But we should look at people with eyes of compassion. How may I help you? We should be in our worlds of business and family, humble and gentle. Number two, lying. They're, they say on average people lie seven times a day. And those are just people who are asked if they're lying. And they may be lying about that. We don't even know how much people are lying in our world today. 
But it could be just as small as your personal taxes. Do you lie on your taxes? Are our politicians lying about what they're doing? Are people lying in business? Will this phone really work? One of the things that just blows my mind now is not only do you have to buy the phone, these electronic things for so expensive of a price, but now they want you to buy these warranties. You guys you see these all the time? I'm not, I'm not much older than some of you here, but I remember a time when you could buy something you would expect it to work. You understand what I'm saying? And I wasn't even around when they were making toys out of steel and iron, but I'm just saying, like, you know, like when you bought the Nintendo, the idea was the thing was going to work. You didn't buy the Nintendo. Do you want 190, like the Nintendo's like 150. Do you want to buy the 199 warranty plan with it? Well, when does the warranty quit? Well, it quits after three years. You mean you only get, first of all, I don't even get it with one of the purchase. It's 90 days with the purchase. But I got to buy this thing, which is almost the same exact price of the thing itself, and then you only guarantee it three years? How many know there's some corruption in that? Now, if you're in the sales industry, I'm sorry. I just don't believe in it anymore. I'm telling you. I actually had to, uh, to, I bought a new laptop, and I looked at the price, and literally it was a $900 laptop, and the warranty was $250, and I've been with Apple for a long time. And I said, you guys have never charged this much for your warranties. I said, this is getting ridiculous. And you just look at all of the, the world that is doing this, and, and if we all just stopped, you see, if, like, the people in Apple are just people like you and I. I mean, that's not like they're, like they're space aliens. They're like people like you and I, okay? If they just stopped and said, let's do things differently, we can make a difference in this world. Like, for example, Chick-fil-A said, we're not going to open on Sundays. There's a thought, and they did it, and they still make money. We need to get to the point again where righteousness is better than sin. Righteousness will always be better, amen? And, oh, I, just, I don't even want to get into politics, but I'll just keep going. Murder. Now a lot of us here, how many of you here have not murdered somebody? Can I see you wave your hand? Amen. You're not a murderer. You are awesome. You are great. But can I tell you what the Bible also considers murder? Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Hatred, cursing, and bitterness and unforgiveness. Jesus said if you curse out your brother, it's the same as if you killed him. How do you act in traffic? Why are people in traffic so ready to kill each other? Have you noticed that? I know I talk about it a lot here, but have you noticed it? Can I tell you why I've actually done a study on this? I've actually had to study these kinds of things in, in one of the classes that I'm taking from my doctorate. You know why? It's one word. I bet you could, un, I bet you could uh, get, guess it if I gave you the first and last word. It starts with an S and it ends with an S. Stress. Selfishness. <laughs> Stress. I just had to love on you because you at least guessed. Everybody say stress. We are so stressed out in this culture right now. We have lost our margin. We have lost the white space around our plan of our lives. We have gone to the edges. We don't have the time that we used to, not to be with our family, not to relax, not to go on vacations, not any of this, because we have bought into this lie that if we're not doing, 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 we're not going to be happy. And we need to back up and say more is less. And then get the stress out of our life. Well, you know what? The Bible talks about that. I read an entire book on it. If you want to uh, get it, it's called Margin. It, God commanded us, work six days, rest seven. I challenge everybody here to do that. And then every day the Bible says to spend time with your family and to rejuvenate and to find the purpose of why you do what you do. What's the point? Everybody look up at me. I live in the suburbs. What's the point of my friends and neighbors working so hard for their families when they don't know their kids? Wouldn't you rather take a downsized apartment and know your kids? 
Hello, somebody. Let's get our priorities straight. Amen? Wicked plans. You know, God hates when we make plans for wickedness, plans for perversion. Do you know that the first Playboy Mansion was in Chicago? True fact. The first Playboy Mansion was in Chicago. God looks at our addictions and our pornographies, and he not only judges it and says he hates it, but he's broken for us because we're the ones hurting ourselves with all of our wicked plans. Who is the one in jail hurting the most? Of course, it affects their children and all this, but eventually their children can make right decisions and live a good life. They'll still be stuck in jail, and then ultimately they're going to be judged by God. Who does the one addicted to pornography hurt the most? Themselves. Selfish plans, selfish ideas. We've lost ourselves. We need to find that if we deny ourselves, we can find who we really are in Christ. Evil feet going to do evil things, evil entertainment. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on these shows. I know there's a lot of you guys that watch them, and sometimes I do. But the level of grotesqueness on these TV shows is just getting beyond what I can even imagine anymore. I mean, honestly, I've watched, I'll tell them myself, I've watched some of The Walking Dead, and it's like it's not just enough to shoot a zombie now. Now they have to run over the zombie's head. You know what I'm saying? And, and they just don't run over the zombie's head like ba-boom. I might be stepping on toes now, but track with me here. They have to show you the zombie's head laying like this, the tire going over slow, and it's splattering like a grape. I'm like, do we really need to see this kind of evil in our everyday life? I mean, you make your decision on that. I may still watch it tonight. I ain't going to tell you what. I don't know where I'm at on that. I don't know. <laughs> at least I'm honest. At least I'm honest. But I'm just telling you, it gets to the point where maybe there's somebody watching that that doesn't know how to discern it, right? And it, and it impacts our children in ways that maybe we need to think about. Bearing false witness, corruption, lying, division. How about this? Division, you know, gangs we all know is wrong. But what about our division between our own neighbors and our own coworkers? You know, racism, it does exist. People judge based on races still to this day. Judging on whether or not you have money or whether or not you have the same upbringing. You know, and it exists in all cultures, okay? So, I mean, yes, there are some that may get it worse than others, but it exists in all cultures. I've heard racist statements from every group of people I've ever hung out with. I've heard racist statements from African Americans about white people. I've heard Latino make racist statements. I've heard white people make racist statements. I've heard Europeans make racist statements about other Europeans. Are you guys tracking with it? It exists in every culture. We need to get rid of this. We need to get rid of this self-centered, I'm better than you attitude. How many get there are some things that God hates? Amen. Rachel, would you come in closing as we get to the good part? But there are things that God loves. And more than that, there are people that God loves. Have you ever heard the saying, God loves the sinner but hates the sin? I believe that's biblical. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean for us? God so loved Chicago that he gave us Jesus. He loved us then and he loves us now. He loves us despite the things our culture has done. God is not wanting us to go to hell. Look at Ephesians 2, 5, 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love, everybody say his great love. God who is rich in mercy. Somebody say he ain't broke. 
He's rich in mercy, baby. Made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Do you know that there is salvation for everyone already purchased in Christ, waiting to be redeemed? You already have heaven's winning lottery ticket. Or rather, heaven's winning lottery ticket has your name on it. It's yet to be claimed. All we have to do as lost humanity is go claim our eternal life in Christ. It's already been purchased. When? When we were doing things right, when we were treating our neighbors right, when we stopped the board. You know, it was done before all of that and during all of that. It's now. It's present. And yet when we receive it, it will transform us. The one who is truly saved will live saved. The one who is truly forgiven won't go back to their sin. So I want to ask you a question. You see God's truth. He hates seven things. And you see God's grace. He loves you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to continue doing what he hates just because you know that he loves you? Well, let me tell you, if that's your understanding, one day you will be judged and you will go to hell, not because he didn't love you, but because you were rebellious. You will be held accountable for your damnation. No one goes to hell because Jesus put them there by his decision. They go there based on their decision. Grace and truth. What do we do about it? Well, the first thing is you got to be born again. But I knew predominantly here I'd be speaking to people who are already born again. If you're born again, can I hear an amen? Amen. If you're not, please come to these altars. We will pray with you today. We're so happy you're here. But here are the two things that Christians are to do. Number one, begin to be an intercessor, and that means to pray on behalf of others. So not only do you need to live right, you need to start praying that others live right. And our prayers need to be in accordance to God's will. Not just God, you know, uh, make a Republican get into the, you know, the White House or a Republican governor. No, we need to pray, God, I don't care if it's Republican, independent. God, make the governor righteous. Make the mayor righteous. Let them be righteous, God. Right? That's what we pray. And then we need to preach. And preaching doesn't just mean, oh, I'm going to go get a pulpit somewhere and start preaching with the microphone, though. That would be cool. We want to start 50 churches. Sign up for SUM Bible College. There's a little commercial for you. But no, you need to preach the truth about God's grace wherever you go in the commands that he has by correcting, rebuking, and encouraging. So let's say you're on your job, and one of your coworkers says, hey, you know what, we're supposed to finish this, but let's tell our boss we did, and let's go out and do something, and then we'll finish it tonight. I mean, that's lying. Don't do that. Or maybe you're sitting down, you're doing your taxes, and they're saying, well, how many kids are you claiming? And it's like, well, I'll claim my cousin's kids. No, don't do that. That's lying, right? Or maybe you're doing business with somebody, and, and you're, you, maybe you're selling insurance or something, and, and you know there's only two plans that they need, but if you get a third plan, you're going to hit a quota for that, that month. But you know they don't need that plan. You tell them all you need is two plans. Adding that other plan to them is your selfishness. Do you get it? We need to be preachers and teachers of God's word demonstrating what our prayers are. I can generally tell people's prayer life by their ability to communicate God's word. If you don't know how to communicate God's word very well, it's generally because you don't pray very well. Think about that connection. Why? Because in prayer, you learn God's heart, 
you learn to understand his word, and you're communicating that back and forth to him. My children communicate in the language of English because that's how I communicated to them. God speaks through his word. So if you don't have a prayer life and you don't develop that life with God, you really won't know his word. But if you develop a prayer life based on his word and you speak his love language, the things that he wrote down, you'll become so comfortable with it that you share it with others. And so literally, you and I become, in one sense, our own answers to prayers. God, I pray that you save my sister. I pray that she repents of her sin. She repents of alcoholism. She repents of drug addiction. And she comes to you in Jesus' name. That's a sincere prayer. And when I pray that for my sister, what do you think happens when I see my sister? I don't have to just come and judge her. I can love her, but as I'm loving her, I'm correcting, rebuking, and encouraging her by God's word as much as she will let me. Right? The same thing with my neighbor. God saved my neighbor. He's a, he's a religious Catholic but doesn't know you personally. May he be born again with his wife and children, and may they fall in love with you all the days of their life. As I pray for him that way, when I hang out with him at his house, I can communicate that same desire because it's here in my heart, and it's God's heart for him. See, do you have God's heart for people? You'll get that in prayer, and then when you get it in prayer, say, Lord, send me to share it with people. Use me to share it with those in my world, those in my life. Here's Daniel's closing prayer. Here's how Daniel, a righteous man, prayed for his people. His people were captured and brought to Babylon. They were taken as slaves, the Jewish people, into the Babylonian nation because they rejected God and stopped obeying his commands. While Daniel was there, he got thrown in a lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying. But while he was there, he started to pray for his people, and he began to identify with their needs. He made their problems his problems, their needs his needs. And this was the prayer that this righteous man prayed. How many heard of Daniel before? This is why he was thrown into the lion's den for praying prayers like this. He would not stop, and that's why he was thrown in there. Daniel 4, uh, Daniel 9, 4 and onward. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We've turned from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries we have been scattered because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiven, forgiving even though we have rebelled against him we have not obeyed the lord our god or kept the laws he gave us through his servants the prophets how many can identify with this today hearing the heart of god for chicago all israel has transgressed your law turned away refusing to obey you therefore the curses 
and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. Do you know that? Look up in your dictionary what Thanksgiving was started for. Look up the Thanksgiving address of George Washington. Look up the Thanksgiving address of Abraham Lincoln. These were solemn assemblies of prayer. They prayed for our nation, friends. They prayed for their posterity, for their future grandchildren. And they said, God, if we don't do what's right with this freedom, you're right to judge us. And is it any coincidence that now you look at the mass devastation of our nation, though we've been the greatest, now we have some of the highest rates of violence, of all of these debaucheries in our nation. God have mercy. Come on, somebody say, help us, Lord. Our nation needs to come back to God, does it not? Verse 12, you have fulfilled the words you've spoken out against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like this as you've done to Jerusalem. And they had it bad. Verse 13, just as it's written in the law of Moses, all of this happened. Somebody say all of this. All of this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Everybody look up at me quickly. I'm trying to close out here quickly. Get the microphone ready, please. Listen, if we told your grandparents that we would be a nation, that we are right now, they would have fallen on their face and repented before God and said, don't let it happen. I mean, I'm telling you, the Judeo-Christian Catholics, Jewish people, they would have fallen on their knees and said, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. And yet now it is happening, and we're not even crying out for God's mercy. We're watching 500 people die because of murder, and you can hardly find a church that still goes out and preaches the gospel and prays for lost people and wins them on the streets. When we started going to Boricua Fest, the Puerto Rican festival, we were met there being one of the only ones out there. And I'm like, where's the church? Where is the representation? Our nation, our city is in devastation. But just like the people of Israel, we're not even seeking the favor of the Lord. Verse 14. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. How many parents here still spank your children or discipline your children, time out your children when they do wrong? Just because now they don't want to obey you doesn't mean you change your standard, do you? Cursing is wrong in my house. My child curses are going to get in trouble. Just because they heard their friends do it doesn't change my standard. My standard's my standard. God's standard is his standard. It doesn't change with culture. Fashion may change. Haircuts may change. Amen. But not God's law. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name that endures this day, we have sinned. We've done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away from your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem, your people, an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers. Somebody say, hear the prayers and petitions of your servants. 
For your sake, Lord, look upon favor on this desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation, the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests because we are righteous, but because, God, you are our great mercy. But because of your great mercy. See, Daniel was righteous. The Bible calls him righteous. But here I, he identified with the wicked city. He said, God, don't do it just because we've done right, because we haven't. Do it because you're merciful. In closing, hear this today. Hear this today, my friends. The prayer of Daniel over 2,500 years ago in the nation of Babylon. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake. My God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. You ever heard of Nineveh? It was a wicked city. It was the capital city of Assyria. And God said to a prophet named Jonah, he said, go there, tell them about my word, and they'll repent. Jonah hated the Ninevites so much. He said, God, judge them all, burn the place down. That's why he went on a boat to run away. Some of you are running away from your calling. You don't care what happens to this city. You don't care what happens to the high schools, the teenagers, the young people, the businesses, the politicians. And you think if you just run and sail away, it's going to go away. That's not God's will. Yes, sinners deserved God's justice, but you were a sinner too that deserved hell. But Jesus sent someone to you. Jesus brought his grace and mercy to you. A church, a lover, a servant of God reached out to you. You need to be that for somebody else. And at the end of Jonah's uh, mission there, he goes there, they repent. At the end there, uh, God rebukes Jonah, and he says, Jonah, should I not have, here's God's heart for Chicago, Metro Praise International. Here's God speaking to Jonah. He says, should I not have concern for that great city of Nineveh? Should I not care about that city, Jonah? in which there are more than 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. And I want to plead with you today, doesn't God care about Chicago where there's more than 9.5 million people who don't know righteousness from wickedness? They are lost. God cares for Chicago. God's heart is so big, it can be seen in the cross of Jesus Christ. And every sin in Chicago has already been paid for. There is righteousness to be given to this city. There is a transformation that God wants to bring. And I want us to do what these ancient men did, what our Lord and Savior did. And before we go, and I apologize for running late, but before we go, I want some of you here today to pray for this great city. I want you to pray for one of those seven things that I brought up today that God hates. And I want you to pray that there's going to be mercy and grace in this city, that God is going to restore us and make us who he's called us to be. Does anybody here want to pray for Chicago? And does anybody then, as you leave out of here, want to preach to Chicago? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise if you love him here? Come on. Don't you love Jesus? Band, would you come? So that we don't stay till 4 in the morning, which would be okay by some of our standards, but... Uh, 
I just want some of you to come up briefly. And I want you just to take this mic and then we'll dismiss. So thank you for your patience. But please don't go yet. I want us to, I want us to believe that God's greatest days for Chicago are still ahead. Let's pray. Father, we have come to this church and we have lifted up the needs of this city. We have been honest with ourselves. And now, Lord, we pray for your mercy and your grace. We ask that we will be the examples. That, Lord, we'll be the Daniels who will pray for this city and live it wherever we go. And should we stumble, should we fall, should we not reflect you the right way, would you be quick to convict us so we would repent and continue to shine? Because, Lord, your heart is so big for this city. You know the name of every mother that's buried a child from the murders. You know every baby that's been aborted in abortion clinics. You know what devastation we faced because of the lying and the cheating. You have seen the jobs been lost and the corruption and what it means to the poor. You have been there for every tear of the oppressed, oh God. You have felt the frustration of every person here, God, as they've been lied on, cheated, as they've been stressed out. And God, you offer a solution through Jesus. And so today, as we pray before we go, may you hear our prayers and answer us. In an attitude of prayer, we've got time for five people to line up here and just grab this mic. Would you do it quickly? Come on, five of you, just do it right now before we go. Represent this city. And just start praying right now. Come on. Let's pray with them, congregation, as they lift up whatever need they want. Jesus, meet our needs in this place, God. Jesus. I will stand in the gap, God, for this. Lord, we stand in the gap, God, for the city, God, for the city of Chicago, God. Your your eyes look down from heaven, Lord, and your heart is burdened, God. Your heart breaks, God. Your heart breaks, God, as you see the, the, the pride of life, God, that people are living in, God. God, in this city, God, where sin is exalted, God, where it's idolized, where it's prized, where it's sought after and seeked after, God. God, you see this, and Lord, we just come to you, God, and we stand in the middle, Lord, and we repent, God. We repent, Lord, for exalting the violence, God, online, on, on Facebook, exalting the fights, exalting the bullying, Lord, exalting the murders, exalting the yes. sexual immorality, God, exalting the homosexuality, God, promoting Jesus. these things in this city, God, promoting these things in this city, Lord. God, we repent, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, that our city has become a, a center of this nation, God. It's one of the biggest cities in the world, Lord, and we we pride ourselves, God, on, on, on all these things, God, that are so detestable to you, Lord, God. I pray, Lord, God, that you would humble us, God, yes. that you would hear our cry, God, and that you would yes. use these things, God, that, that, that we boast about, that we pride ourselves on, God, that, that we're so proud of our sin, God. We're so comfortable in our sin. We're
were so comfortable in living this way, God, that they see no need for you, Jesus. God, that they don't want to repent, Lord, because they don't see the need for you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would use these things, God, to humble the people in this city of Chicago, Illinois, in the United States of America, God, that you would humble us, Lord, to come to you, to come to our knees, God, and repent, God, and that you would fill us with your love and your joy and your peace and your kindness and your goodness and your faithfulness, God, and that we would love each other in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. Do it, Lord. Change us, God. Change us, God. Oh, that they would weep, wail, and moan. Jesus. That they would come to, to turn their joy into tears. These things will no longer be satisfying. The things that they seek, it's not, it's, it's empty, it's hollow, and it just leaves them bitter and angry. God, you deliver me from a life yes. similar. God, I ask that you do yes. it here. Yes. You said that this city will be a light. Yes. It was once darkness, but it will be light. And I hold on to your word, God. I look to it. God, said me, I will go. I will be that light. No one else will go. Send me, God. Let your church rise up, because this is where it starts. Yes, God. For there be revival, it must be revitalized. God, they, they don't go where they need to. God, let them have that heart that they that they come from being closely united with relationship, that we can cast down all these religious hogwash things that separate us and divide us. Let it be just all about you and one church united under you. Saving those who need for the glory of God, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask, oh God, that you would have mercy on our city, Jesus. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on our city, oh God. Forgive our city for the murders, oh God, and all the violence, God. We repent, oh God, for our city. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us, oh God. Jesus, have mercy on us, oh God. Have mercy on us, God. Let us humble ourselves under your mighty hand, oh God. Have mercy on my city, Jesus, and my people, oh God. Have mercy on our city, Jesus. Have mercy on us, Jesus, Son of David. Christ, just shine on us, oh God. Let us wake up and shine on us, Jesus. Shine on us, oh God. Lord, use Metro praise, God, as, as the light, oh God. As the light in this dark city, oh God, the murders, it's full of abortion, pride. I pray, Lord, convict their hearts, Lord. I pray your spirit, will you not awaken again, oh God? Is this city too much for you to spare, to save, oh God? Is your arm not long enough, Lord, to save Chicago, to make revival happen, to be a, a city of righteousness? No, it's not. I know you are mighty to save, oh God. And I pray right now, soften their hearts, Lord. Bring conviction and healing, Lord. The city needs healing, Lord. The people of Chicago need healing. 
be their healer, be their God, be their savior, and let Chicago be known. Let Metro Praise be the foundation as Chicago, as the city of praise. Because, God, it's not impossible, for all things are possible with you. And I pray this in faith. I speak it, and I declare it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father God, we just come before your throne, oh God, with a repentant heart, Lord. We come and we intercede. We stand in the gap of the city of Chicago today, right now, God. As a whole, your word says that where two or more are gathered in your mighty name, Father God, you are there, Lord. So we know, God, that you hear our cries, that you hear our voices, Lord, as they go up to you, Father God, and you send your answers down, Lord, to answer, Father God. We just call on you that you would replace all the lies with truth, Father God, that you would open the eyes of the blind father god remove the veil from their eyes the haughty eyes that come before father god we pray father god for the innocent blood that is being shed day in and day out father god that you would convict those people father god of what they're doing lord we pray father god that you would soften the hearts of those who have been hardened by life's stresses life suffering father god that this world was called to fall father god but we are called to preach your word and truth to go out there and shine light in dark places father god to speak to dry bones that they will rise in the name of jesus father god we call on your holy name lord that you would come this year father god and that there will be a revival that will shine out that would speak out to many people lord right now father god there's word that there's leprosy father god that has come back that is a biblical thing father god we call on your name jesus jesus save us save us have mercy on us son of david have mercy on us father god for your mercy is new every morning father god and i pray that everybody here would hear father god that today is the day of salvation right now you're calling upon their name right now you're knocking on the door of their heart father god and saying let me in let me use you to make a difference in the city of chicago hallelujah hallelujah father god let your fire come down let your fire come down as elijah called out to you and said father let your pillar of fire come down it came down from heaven and burned and burned everything that was not of you father god there is nothing that can come against you lord because your power will prevail your plans will prevail father god and i stand here and i say use me lord use me here i am lord use me hallelujah hallelujah Amen. If you believe it, can you give God a hand clap? Come on, let's bless him. This city has greater days ahead. I so believe it. I so believe it. Would you hold somebody's hand just to the left and the right? And would you look at them and say, I love you because God loves you? Come on, look at the other person and say, you're part of the answer. Amen. Altar workers, would you come and make your way up here? We're going to pray holding hands today. We're going to leave this time of prayer. If you still want to come, you're more than welcome. We're going to worship. We're going to hang out, so don't be in a hurry. But look at these hands. Look at the beautiful cultures. Look at the different ages. Look at male, female, young and old. God can use us. This started as a church and a Bible study in my house. God can use us. We could change the world, and it just starts wherever you are, with your family, with your job, with your neighbor. Let's do all the good we can to as many people as we can for as long as we can. Amen? Praise God. I want to get somebody else to pray in closing. 
Ricky, would you just pray? I know you got that bass, that axe right there. But he has such a great heart for this city. Holding somebody's hand. As he's praying for us, would you pray for those people's hands that you're holding? Father, Lord, we love you, God. You're a great God. You're a mighty God, Lord. Nothing is impossible for you. You are sovereign. You are all-knowing. Lord, and you love us. You love this city, oh God. And Lord, we expect great things, oh God. We know that people will get saved. We believe that chains will be broken, that there will be freedom, oh God. That there will be people, Lord, breaking down, God, and giving their lives to you, Lord. And we pray for this church, for every person here in this church, that, Lord, as we heard the word during worship, that we will all do our part, God, as part of the body of Christ, Lord. That we will have a heart that's broken, oh God, that's desperate for the loss, for our families, oh God. For our friends, our co-workers, oh God, that we will have a heart for to see them come to you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray for them right now, God, that you would open their eyes, oh God, to see the truth of the gospel, Lord. That, Lord, you would open their eyes, oh God, open their ears to hear, oh God, oh, the good news, oh Jesus. Lord, bless this church. Help each and every one of us here to do our part, God. That, Lord, we will be your mouthpiece to this city, oh God. That, Lord, we will have a heart for this city, oh God. Use us, God, for your glory to build your kingdom, oh Lord. Bless this church. Bless our families, oh God. And everything that we do in our jobs at school, Lord, just be with us, oh God. That we will be you to them, oh God. In Jesus' name, oh God, be with us. Amen. Amen. Slap somebody high five and say, let's do it. Get right to it.